welcome to The Artist Appeals. This is Erin Sparler, and I'm your host. In The Artist Appeals, we interview artists, crafters, photographers, and business professionals about the business of art. I hope you'll join us and enjoy the show. In this episode, we are going to talk with the father of art licensing. That's right. This man has been doing art licensing for 40 years. He was one of the first people to ever make a portfolio and go around and license artwork to companies. He's the author of Licensing Art 101. It's in its third edition. And he's also the president and owner of the art licensing agency Out of the Blue Licensing LLC. Please allow me to introduce you to the very knowledgeable Michael Woodward. Hello. How are you, Michael? Very well, thank you. Nice and sunny down here in, uh, in Portugal, where I am at present. Portugal. Oh, wow. I've never been to Portugal. It sounds amazing. What's it like? It's beautiful. In fact, well, I lived in Panama in America for a long time, and then yeah. I decided one day just to come down here. And uh-huh. It was one of those universal things where I was waiting for a sign of where I wanted to live. And uh-huh. this wasn't my cup of tea after a while. And three mm-hmm. people mentioned Portugal within 24 hours. And they not only mentioned Portugal, they said Lagos. Lagos. They call it Lagos here. Ah. And I jumped on a plane and just decided, because I'm nearer my family in England as well. So oh, okay. it's absolutely beautiful. In fact, Near the Algarve at the minute, it's February. We've got 19 degrees, which is about 66, 67. And mm. it's February winter, sunny every day. We've got the most beautiful beaches you to die for. It's absolutely stunning country. And oh, Lisbon, I want to go visit. <laughs> yeah, Lisbon is the most uh, visited capital in the world now. Oh, wow. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Tell me a little bit about your company. Now, you've been doing this for a long time, art licensing. Tell me a little bit about what your company does and what you guys create. Okay. I'll just give a little backstory. In 1974, that's a long time ago, (laughs) I ran an advertising studio doing photography of major campaigns. I had like three photographers that I worked with. and. I, I were in a photo library at the same time. So the mm. photo library got me into this, you know, selling images to people who just want an oil rig at sea or a fire or something you can't get. You know, you want a right. wave crashing over a lighthouse. You can't just go out and do it because it's very expensive. Right. Back then it was all film. Yeah. Right. One of my clients, you know, said to me, you know, nobody's doing this for art. Mm. I ruminated on that for about a year. And mm-hmm. uh, I decided to just form a new company, and I, I set it up in 79, and I was mm-hmm. the first person to ever license art. So illustration, paintings, drawings, nobody was photographing them and selling them for reproduction, right? Uh, no, not in that way. So yes, that's correct. But it's it wasn't as simple as that. People used illustration, and they right. used art but they bought it outright. Ah. You know, commissioned illustrators to do art in those days, and Hallmark used to buy the rights and the paintings the lot. They, they owned everything. And mm, they could lock, stock, and barrel. Forever and make money, and the artist got 50 or a, 100 pounds or whatever for the full copyright. Ugh. So when I came along, I disturbed a lot of people because <laughs> I actually went to Hallmark and I said, You know, so we don't do that. Well, I said, this is the future. I said, you keep making money and money and money, printing the design over and over and over and selling tens of thousands of cards, making money, and the artist gets nothing. It's not not really fair, is it? So uh, anyway, I started licensing, and there were quite a lot of companies loved what I did because nobody was doing that, going round Mm -hmm. and uh, showing them lots and lots of art they could buy or license mm-hmm. their products. So it's it's basically greetings card right, a poster right, a print right, a stationery mm-hmm. right, 
calendar right, everything's separate. So the artist gets paid everything for every, every product. Right. Now, why would they like that, though? Why would that be advantage for them? They, they actually got it. They realized that just commissioning artists, artists were getting a bit, you know, a little bit fed up of just, just providing artwork and getting nothing for it. So mm-hmm. a few of them were buying, um, a bit complicated to explain, but many companies had art they, and they made film because in those days, a lot of people won't even understand this because it's, it's the old days where you, <laughs> In a reproduction, you'd photograph it with a big camera. You'd make yeah, for the resolution. You'd make a red. No, you'd make a, a big film. You'd make a yellow film, a magenta film, a cyan film, and a black film. Oh, and for printing. Would go down on the photolitho plates to make mm-hmm. the actual printed product. So right. what was going on was the people who did that would then resell or relicense the film which was mm. already made. So when I came along and started offering transparencies, because that's what we did, we photographed the art into a transparency, mm-hmm. and I would just license it. So I gave them a whole, like a whole new, new library of images they could use, things they couldn't get access to quickly. They could literally mm. do it all and buy them, whereas before they had to commission the art. Mm-hmm. So... I gave them a whole source of art and and photography, but mostly art in those days and illustration. So you were offering a bigger catalog with faster turnaround time. That's definitely an advantage. I mean, one one client, I I used to drive down to London from Yorkshire, which is where Uh I'm based, and Gordon Fraser's, they don't exist anymore. Wonderful man and a lady Mm. there, Mary. Wonderful people. And I'd mm-hmm. come away and they'd buy 20, 30 designs. Nice. So in those days, it was like a hundred pounds, you know, per design. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I did very well because, again, nobody was doing it. So uh, I progressed mm-hmm. and I built the, you know, built the business over the years. And my company's in America now. So it's an American mm-hmm. in Florida. And what we do is the same thing, except we don't do a lot of, different products we do mainly wall art and mm-hmm. characters and license particular paper products mm. uh, and i still do what i've been doing all those years so but it's now all digital so it's much much easier much much yeah easier. you don't have to take a catalog door to door huh no we just email that's it <laughs> <laughs> well that is phenomenal so essentially you're kind of like the father of art licensing I know, yeah. <laughs> Mind if I call you that? The father of art licensing? I'm going to give I you mean, a moniker. It's really weird because, you know, there was no other licensing agency I knew of anywhere in the world. And yeah. uh, there was one in America, I think she started similar time, but she was working with uh, people like, um, she did John Lennon and she mm-hmm. did, you know, Picasso and she did major artists. Mm-hmm. So, uh and then a few started after me, you know, in the mm-hmm. early years, I got to know a lot of them. And then we started doing the big trade shows and building the business from there. So it's, uh, but the business has changed dramatically over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that actually leads us into product pretty well. So what types of products do you find are most popular now? How has that changed for you guys? So you are an art licensing agency agent. You photograph this artwork and then the artwork gets printed onto products. You said it's changed tremendously. Have you seen a trend? No, it's it's not that. It's just, it's what happened is when the internet started, the cameras changed, film changed. So it became Mm -hmm. digital film. Mm Mm-hmm. Then it, the internet uh, allowed people to communicate very quickly and fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you could send JPEGs to people or mm-hmm. CD to start with, and then it then it's that those disappeared, and now it's all all email with JPEGs. So the artists now provide all the uh, all the files, the digital files. So we don't have to photograph anything. They send us their low res files and their high res files. The mm-hmm. high res to print. 
and the low res is just to send out to show people and they can select. So what's changed is the fact that, and this is not a good thing in, in overall for the, for the licensing industry, and I've talked about this in articles I've written, is yeah. that it allows everybody, any artist, not just agents, to send work out via email. Mm-hmm. And I always tell one story about a particular greetings card client. We used to do maybe 50 to 100 designs a year with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and suddenly it got less and less and less. Mm-hmm. And I rang the art director and I said, what's going on? I said, you're not buying anything. He said, it's not that, Michael. It's, it's, we used to get five to 10,000 designs submitted every year and we buy mm-hmm. 2,000. Then it went up to 50,000. And she mm. said, this year, we're going to get 100,000 designs sent in to us. Wow. So we have to manage them. And we have so many. So, for example, it's Valentine's Day coming up for the following year. They want to do six Valentine cards. They uh-huh. want a heart, a rose, and whatever, right? So right. they have 1,000 hearts to choose from, 1,000 roses to choose from. My God. They're going to pick one. So how do you do that? That's overwhelm. Yeah. So what happens is that people think their work is, is it not good enough or am I not getting any sales? And it's not that. It's the fact there's so many designs being submitted into the realm of art directors in these companies. There's so many of them. The chances of sales in certain categories is just, you know, it's a thousand to one. That right. you just don't get a job. And that made me rethink everything. Mm. A lot of other agents as well, you know, they started not to do very well because, you know, a lot of these categories, they were earning very little. It mm-hmm. also allows the, the product manufacturers to replace the designs more quickly because it's all digital. Quicker turnover. And they, yeah, they can turn their designs around faster and faster. So they can keep, they used to be designs in the range for five, ten years. Now mm-hmm. sometimes the designs last a season or just one, one or two years, and they replace right. them. So it's got a good side. In fact, it, there's more designs being licensed, but right. there's so many artists trying to get the same amount of work. In other words, the pie is only so big, mm-hmm. and there's more things in the pie, so to speak. Yeah. And consequently, that's made it very difficult. So what we've done is, as an agent, we specialize in wall decor. Mm-hmm. And we've become the, the major supplier of wall decor to many companies in America and one or two in Europe um, mm-hmm. because we, have, we specialize. So we get very good at what we do. If you're good at greetings cards and the gift products, some agents just specialize in that and do a little bit of wall decor. So mm-hmm. what we do, we do a lot of wall decor, and I, I license something like 5,000 designs a year. Wow. Right? A lot of designs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we work on the trends. That's another thing that's changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that later. But there's, there's so many things in the industry where people have had to rethink their business models. The clients have had to restructure their businesses. Yeah. So when the online business came in, people said, oh, this won't last. People aren't going to buy online. You know, they don't trust it. Mm. Now, I don't know what the figures are, but it's enormous amounts of money now is being spent online. Right. So consequently, instead of going to a store to buy the product, you may buy the product now online. You can buy the right. camera online, the calendar online, greetings cards online. You can buy anything, cushions. You know, yeah. the one I work with, they do duvets, they do shower curtains, they do pillows, yeah. they do furniture, all online. Mm-hmm. Wow, amazing. So, you know, I think everybody's seeing the effects of the internet and this product saturation from the art licensing field all the way down to the average consumer. We have so much choice now. I love what you said about specializing, about niching down. And that is a really good segue into presentation. How do you stand out in a market that's so saturated? How do you present your work? 
It's a very good question there. From an artist's perspective, when artists, they, they find it difficult because, I mean, I'll tell you a little story. It's lovely. One of my uh, old, love stories. old photographers, right? She's been with Christine and she's amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was working with her for many, many years and we did very well for her, but she wanted to make more money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it gets to a certain point if you're a specialist, she was flower photographer, uh -huh. that unless you're producing, you know, so many different types of, of, of photography, you're in a niche. And so she was getting a limited kind of income. So uh -huh. she said, do you mind if I go on my own for a little while and see if I can do it? I said, of mm -hmm. course. Because you know, we, we, we release all our artists whenever they want. We don't, we don't have these very bad contracts, which some agents do. So mm. what we do is we said, no problem. All the licenses were staying, obviously, in force that we've done. And she started trying to license her own work. Mm. Nine months later, she rang me. says, Michael, she said, I now appreciate what you do. <laughs> she said, nine months on my own. She's a very, very bright lady. She's very, mm -hmm. uh, she understands the internet. She's brilliant. She's yeah. a psychologist. Oh. So she really understands many, many things. She said, I haven't had one single license in nine months. <sighs> and she said, and I know what I'm doing. I yeah. didn't get answers. I didn't get any, nothing back, no feedback from anybody whatsoever. And that's the problem for many artists these days is they're going in with lots of other artists, hundreds and hundreds of them, all trying to get the attention of the actual client so right. what i've done because i've been around a long time i know all the art directors personally i've met a lot of them mm -hmm. a lot of the new ones i don't because we don't travel now but uh, and the owners of the of the uh, companies again i've met some of those over the years so we have a good relationship so when i send work it gets seen immediately it's straight to the art director. They respond mm -hmm. to me because firstly, it's not that it's one of those things where they know when I send work, I'm not wasting their time. Every time I send something, if I send a group, there's always something there that they can license. Whereas if they're looking right. at 20, 30 artists work, they spend hours and hours going through it all and there's nothing or very little. So, so they you really tailor your presentation to the individual so that you don't waste their time, right? Exactly. So in other words, what they get from, plus what they do now is they feed me with trend information of what they're looking for. And they know oh. I've got a school of 50 artists and photographers, right? Mm -hmm. So they know that my photographers and artists are, pro are real pros and they can do the job. So they send me mm -hmm. the trend info. We come up with the goods. I'm working on a job now for a, a publisher who works with all the big stores like Home Goods and Cost Plus and Pier One and all these major corporations. Oh, wow. And they feed us with information. So last week, they fed us with uh, all these uh, designs that they're looking for. There was black and white photography. There was some new kind of floral work with certain colors. Um, uh -huh. There was um, cloud formations, all kinds of new ideas. Mm -hmm. And we hit every single target. And they just sent me a note just before I came on to you. And they said, the client loves all the things you've done for them. Every single thing. That's so awesome. So really, in a way, the clients now watching the trends and pushing the information to you. And, and instead of them having to search through content, they've kind of flipped the script a little bit. Yeah. They still, well, they still buy from individuals. Mm -hmm. However, they limit that. Mm -hmm. In other words, they have their, their key artists, their pet artists they work with, mm -hmm. and they feed them, and their one or two agents they deal with. Most of them now don't like to work with a lot of agents because mm -hmm. some of the agents, they have a very wide, varied portfolio. And they'll mm -hmm. do flags, they'll do mugs and T-shirts, they'll do all kinds of things. And so because they don't specialize in wall decor, they tend to sort of 
not look after the clients as well as we do. Mm -hmm. So they're dealing with many, many clients and they'll sell to anybody and everybody. If they buy it, it's a license. There's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of the publishers don't really want that. They want to know that when I work with them, if we've got something similar and I think "Ah, I won't sell that to a a license, shall I say, I won't license that to to company B because they're in direct competition. Mm-hmm. So I protect them. You know, it's very interesting to me talking about the trends and educating because that's our next topic is how do you educate your audience as to the benefits of your work rather than the features, but the benefits. And in one of the previous episodes, we talked with Patricia, who owns a design company out of Los Angeles, and they design thousands of designs for the big box stores every year. And she is a big trend watcher, and she actually creates these trend reports that she sends to her manufacturers. And so she's constantly providing them with updates because she travels a lot. And I thought it was very interesting that you said your clients are providing you with trend reports and educating you. And and it sounds like education is maybe a very key component that's going both ways. It's what what we have to do is we the retailers will buy into certain trends. Mm-hmm. And these trend companies now that forecast, they do trend forecasts, and they do these these color boards with all these different fabrics and colors and paints and so on. And the yeah. new art has to fit into that trend. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the retailers will, buy, will be buying fabrics, home decor goods like lampshades and, you know, cushions and throws and all the red carpets, mm-hmm. etc. And therefore, and the, and the furnishing fabrics. So that will be a trend, like global trend. Right. Or be a, you know, a, at the moment, it, it's all into colors, color trends. But they'll, they'll have a, a thing which will be ethnic or it'll be African or it'll be a, theme. a global trend. You know, it, whatever it is, it's the retailer that buys into that and decides they're going to run that trend and they're going to buy product around that trend so they then go to the publisher and they're looking for art that covers that trend mm-hmm. in turn the publisher lets me know said this is the trends we're working on now so i can produce work or my artist can produce work that is on trend it's in one of those categories so that the colors are right it might be a different shade of green then there'll be a new blue that comes out. So that blue has to be in. And the yeah. blue has to be exact. Because if it's a, you know, if it's an azure blue or it's kind of a very pale blue or a very indigo blue, mm-hmm. that, that's how critical it is when it comes to using the correct colors within the designs. So really, with the trend forecasters, the retailers and the publishers, we're at the end of the line listening to the trends and, and uh, if you like, reacting to them. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've actually done some color shifting. So I do photography and um, I had a licensing, an art agency asked me to shift the colors in photographs and you can sample the colors and they would actually provide you with those color numbers You know, Pantone provides color numbers every year. They have new, this is the the color of the year. They would say this client is looking for a picture of a flower with this exact blue. And you shift the colors using Photoshop. You do a a color selection and a a color alteration. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I do when artwork comes in. I sometimes alter the color, send it back to the photographer or the artist, say, this is the color we want. Uh-huh. Sometimes shifts other colors, <laughs> which means right. that, you know, and I, I'm not a Photoshop expert, but I've, I've, you know, I play around with it. I can do some reasonable stuff. And mm-hmm. what we do then is help them to see the difference and say, look at that now. Look at how the acid green you've used. Mm-hmm. It's hot green. Use this sagey green. This this pale green. And say, oh, yeah. So a lot of the artists that are saying new artists coming along, they're not mm-hmm. used to it. I have to sort of coach them, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, you have to educate your your artists and that's amazing. That's really cool. So, you know, we talk about automating and amplifying, getting bigger. And you mentioned that you've had to shift your business and adapt with the changing environment over the years. And I think that is true of any business. But how do you make things faster and get bigger with all this overwhelm? So we're getting more photographs and we're supposed to be on social media and we're supposed to be doing this and that and the other thing. Do you have systems in place? I should imagine you have some ways you do things after 40 years that you can share with us. Well, I'm very unique in what I do because mm-hmm. I've, I've gone through the whole gamut, right from you know the early days. We used to do the shows, so we'd go to the Birmingham show. I was mm-hmm. the only agent there um, in the first few years, 79, 80, 80. There's nobody, nobody was there. I had an office within the, the, you know, the Birmingham complex, and uh, clients used to come and see me at the office, and we'd show them all the work. Mm-hmm. Then I started, I did the New York stationery show. Mm-hmm. I was the first person to do that from England. Mm. And then we started to do a German show. Mm. Frank, What's the German uh, show? It's, uh, I what they call it now, it's so long ago. It's um, Ambiente, I think it's Ambiente. It's a big stationery, it's like the equivalent of the New York stationery show. Okay. And it's one in Germany, there's one in France. And I used to travel, you know, a lot, seeing people. Yeah. When you do shows, we got it off path. Let's forget the early days, but let's say... You know, the, the 90s particularly, which the shows were very, very strong. They started the licensing show, which was in right. New York to start with. Then it moved across to the to the West Coast. Yeah. So we'd have a booth and uh, we'd carry stuff and so on. So in the end, I used digital printing and we, we did rolls and we just literally designed the stuff. We put the stand up in an hour. Um, wow. So we, we got it streamlined. But what I, what happened, and this is a very important point, is yeah. that in the 80s and 90s, everybody paid advances. So for a greetings card, it might be, you know, 100 advance against 6%. Okay. Um, poster would be maybe 500 advance, mm-hmm. this is pounds or dollars, against 10%. Right. We would go to a, a show... And you know, one one client came along. He did T-shirts, and well, and and I got there. It was like eight thirty in the morning. I mean, and the guy was he, he wouldn't leave. He said, "No, I want to see you before the show starts. I, I want to see you. I want to I want to buy these. I want to buy all this." He said, "Listen, well, hang on a minute. I'm at a cup of tea. I'm, I'm still setting up." He says, yeah. "Well, I want to buy these designs," and he he, he agreed a twenty five thousand dollar advance. Wow. On these, all these designs, because he wanted them before anybody got them, uh-huh. and we pay for a show within the first day with the advances. Not we took on the day, but we'd invoice it later, right? Right. Yeah. So it cost you maybe ten thousand to do a show. Uh-huh. Some of the shows I did, I had two or three booths. So it cost me twenty thousand to do a do a, a booth. So yeah, you've got two weeks beforehand preparing. Uh-huh. You've got the cost of the booth, the cost of designing the booth. Mm-hmm. You've got the shipping. You've yep. got your staff. You've got your hotels. Yeah. So to have one small booth, you can maybe get away with seven or eight if you skimp it and stay in a little cheap hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like cheap hotels. So, <laughs> so nobody does. They're not safe. No, I know. So we'd have a reasonable hotel, and we'd be there a week, and you'd uh-huh. go through ten thousand or fifteen thousand. Now big investment it's okay because you're meeting new clients you're doing a lot of business everybody's there in in one place now as the 90s end of the 90s came along the beginning of 2000 um mm-hmm. the digital thing had started so what was happening is a lot of the main publishers talking about print publishers now for wall decor the poster yeah. company they had factories, huge warehouses, because they printed all the products. 
So they print 5,000 of each, then they deliver the prints when people ordered them. Right. Now, that business model had to change because sometimes they didn't sell 5,000, they sold 1,000. Now, if you've got got 1,000 designs and maybe half of them don't sell, you've got tons and tons and tons of paper just sitting in a warehouse. Yeah. That's called sell-through. They didn't yeah, sell, and now you've got inventory, and you've got money wrapped up in inventory. You're paying electric. You saw yeah. this. So one of my clients said to me, we're, we're going to scale down. And they, some of them bought their own digital equipment, uh-huh. or people started to go digital. So it was yeah. 50-50. They did some printing and digital. And then gradually, in the last 20 years, almost everybody has gone digital. So yeah. that means there's no inventory. Now, because of that transition, the publishers said, we can't afford to pay advances anymore. We're wow. losing money. So the advance thing disappeared mm. in the written publishing industry, the wall decor industry. So suddenly, I'm going to a show, and I'm not going to get paid for a year or two years you know, because that's when the royalties start to roll in a year later. Right. So you have to spend all this money up front to do a show, but there's no advances coming in. So you're, you're outlaying it with no chance of getting that money back. Dangerous so I slowed down on shows and I stopped doing them. And I think about 17 years ago, I stopped doing the shows. Wow. And life becomes easier. Um, but the last show I did was ironic. I mean, I'm there. And I'm seeing yeah. all my clients. So yeah. I'm thinking, why the hell am I paying 10000 to come all the way here to see my own clients who I can <laughs> send the work to, you know, through the internet? So that's what stopped me doing shows, you know? Well, shows are still a great way to make those contacts, right? But you've already got those contacts. When you're new and you're still growing and you want to make new contract contacts, yes, the shows are important. But so I did good investment before. new. Yeah, I did 20 years with the shows, 23 years of shows, so all over the world. So over those years, I made a lot of contacts. So right. I just nurtured those people. And so I'm, a, I'm different. I'm a bit different and unique in that way. I work mm-hmm. with a client base I've already got, and I feed right. them. I right. don't go looking for clients. And occasionally, once, mm-hmm. a, once every two or three months, somebody finds us on the internet and says, oh, We'd like to talk to you, and I get a new client. Oh, very nice. (laughs) How do you keep track of all those clients? Is there a way that you um, automate your outreach since it's so important to be feeding them new stuff on a regular basis and staying in front of them? Is there any software or apps or a system that you have in place that you like to use, even if it's just manual, for making sure you reach out to these people? But You'll find this hilarious, right? I was the okay. one of the first agents <laughs> back in the eighties, uh, uh-huh. the eighties, to put in a computer system. Uh-huh. So we spent many, many thousands. We had a computer in every room, and everybody digital. No, it was a barcoding. Okay. And it was transparencies then barcoding. So we had a very, very sophisticated system. Yeah. Now, because now we work with more and more volume because. Because it's digital, you can produce more. People can produce more and more and more art these days. It's not like yeah. the old where you yeah, spend. Yeah, you, you have like fifty artists, right? Yeah. So that's a lot of work. Some of my artists, you know, produce very. They don't produce a lot because they photographers. So every uh-huh. six months, they send me a new batch of twenty, thirty, or forty designs. Whereas uh-huh. the designer illustrators who are working in Photoshop and so on. They can produce like five, six, seven designs a week, you know, one a day. Interesting. That's reversed from what I would have thought it would be. No. We know with Photoshop and Painter and Illustrator, you know, these days with layering and so on, people, Mm. you know, can do a lot of work very quickly. I got Mm. four designs last night for a client. She did four in an evening for me. Wow. So, So the thing is about... The design side of it and, and, and sending work, it's so personal. I literally 
say I've got my list of clients on my desk and I go, okay, I haven't sent them any work this month. And I then tailor a presentation. Mm -hmm. I, I go through all the artist files, create, say, four of that, six of this, some flowers and some landscapes and some horses. And, and then mm -hmm. they give me a list, you know, of what they're looking for. Yeah. And then I send them, send them you know, I go through the files and I t do it and send a zip file by email. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So it's very, very hands-on personalized. Right. So I don't want to employ a lot of people. You know, a lot of the companies, I won't say who, but one of the big companies went broke a few years ago. They employed a lot mm. of staff. And, um, you know, it, it's in this industry now, I think you've got to stay very lean. Mm -hmm. You can work on a computer. Many we, now I work from home yep. for... 35 of those 40 years. That's brilliant. So you don't have that overhead. Yeah. You used to have eight, nine staff. Now I've got three of us. One does all the bookkeeping and does yeah. all the accounting and so on and paying people. And I have somebody in Panama. She does my, uh, she just works remotely and she does all the high res to send to clients. And I oh, do okay. all the marketing and selling. So there's, there's three of us. I cover sales. Somebody else covers, you know, admin and somebody else covers the sending the files out. So it's a very right. tight little, you know, I've, we don't want to expand hugely yep. because when you expand, you need more people. Yeah. And when you add another person who has to make a good salary, say they want to make 30 grand a year, you've got to pull in 60 just to pay mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And then as well, you have the outer layer of complexity. So what do you use to look at your images and sort your images? Are you working in Lightroom or just nope. keep them in files? Or how do you do that? It's very simple. I, I developed a very simple system. It's a folder for each artist with all their work in. Yeah. So I can scan all their work in one go, and uh -huh. I can flip through it all. And then I have a job file. And that's a folder with the clients in. And you just flick them. I just take the that image, put it in there. So it's not in the file. I can't show it to anyone else. All right? So so I, I it's a, a simplistic way because of the volume. Our copyright control system now is, again, is, is not very sophisticated. It works very well. And we put little red dots on things when it's a license that's sold for uh -huh. exclusivity. This way, I can quickly do it. Instead of writing thousands and thousands and thousands of cards, you know, writing all the rights down, everything else, because we specialize in wall decor, it's very easy to do. So with other, other licensing agents, they need software right. because they're dealing with many, many different product areas and they have to keep a complete track. Our old system did that. I mean, but once we started to specialize in wall decor, and mm -hmm. very few other categories, it's very simple to keep track. So, uh, so again, we're not, we're not usual. We, we, we're a, you know, that's why we're a specialist agency rather than a general licensing agency. We don't deal with all the products that many, many agents do. It's been my goal with all these interviews, all the research I've been doing, my whole academic career, to figure out how to make money with your art. And I imagine that that's probably what you're trying to do too, right? We all want to do something that we love for a living. Yeah? Totally. Who wouldn't? Who wants a dead-end job? So, after all this research and all these interviews, I've discovered four secrets, the four top secrets to making money with your art. And now I have a 12-page report outlining the four top secrets to making money with your art. You can download this guide for free at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com. That's right, I got that domain name. So just head on over to howtomakemoneywithyourart.com, all spelled out, no numbers and get your free report on how to make money with your art.
What advice would you offer for an artist who has a lot of work for organizing their work? Like, what do you do with your artists when you ask them to send you stuff? Do you have a file naming convention or, you know, do you have instructions that you share with them? That's very key. What we do, we have a a special digital file guide. And -hmm. in that file guide, I, I give them all the technical details of what they need to do, what size their file should be for sending mm-hmm. out, um, which is 72 DPI files. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to be too big, you know, because then if you put them in an email, you know, they, you want to be able to send 25, 30 designs in an email. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're sending links and you're sending using WeTransfer or FTPs. And, you know, you, it's easy. To so then you need a protocol, which is to give a file name. So yep. if your name is John Smith, you can have J-O-N as an, and then a hyphen and then a number, 01, 02, 03. And we tell everybody, have a specific number for each design right? So that we can find it. So somebody calls me, a client says, I've got this here. It's uh, AMA-24. I type mm-hmm. that in, it pops up. It's a very simple you know, database system which finds the design, or say, for example, somebody rings me and says, is this design available? I can quickly flick that into my, you know, on my search thing mm-hmm. on, on, the, on the Apple. Yep. And what happens then is that comes up and it shows me who's bought it because it shows me all the files it's in. And that way I say, ah, no. This client's already got that for a poster or a print. Sorry, it's not available. I mean, it's instant. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to search through lots of things. It's a very simple database using the computer system right. and a full system. But the, the, the important thing, you know, we get designs from, from artists. Yeah. And it's JPEG 1, JPEG 3, JPEG 4, JPEG 5. It's ridiculous. Mm. Because what happens is that if you have within your system, JPEG 3 and 4, when you, you know, you're swapping them around, you lose files because it overwrites it. So mm. we tell all name your file, give it a code number, and also give it a title. Mm-hmm. And that's another very big thing. Titles are very important to give it a unique title. Why? Right. When you say you want to go on to uh, art.com. Yep. And you're looking for something. Now, what do you type in? You ah, type in, S-E-O. right? You type in horse. You type in gray horse. Gray mm-hmm. horse with a flower. Now, if you type in gray horse with a flower, all the gray horses with flowers will pop up. But if your picture is a gray horse with a flower and you just write horse, it won't right. pop up when that goes in. So the search engines now, we're, we're getting everybody to meta tag their work. Oh, okay. yeah. Just a way of putting everything you can think of on the on the JPEG or the high res. You type mm-hmm. in, you know, horse, gray, yep. field, um, yep. running, you know, all the things that it could be. So when that ser- when somebody's searching there's a chance that your design might pop up. So yeah. many artists don't do that. They have no, no clue about how search engines work. Yeah, here's a real easy tip. Lightroom was built by photographers for photographers, and they have a wonderful meta tag feature where you can actually type in your your search engine optimization terms. So uh, what you're talking about, these descriptive terms, are also referred to sometimes as long tail keywords because people don't just search horse anymore. Like you said, they search gray horse with flower. That's a long tail keyword because there's multiple words in it. And you can literally go in Lightroom, select multiple images and type the the words in that you want to be saved in the metadata and boom, it's there. And then when you export, it goes with it. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of uh, all our photographers they use Lightroom to do that. 
Yeah, yeah, very handy. What I'm trying to do is get my artist to think that way as well. Because yeah. the artists are a different breed, you know. <laughs> Some of them, they don't even want to do meta tags. I've got my top artists won't do them. Oh. And the reason she won't do I'll them is because up. she produces like a thousand designs in a two month period. Wow. And she does prolific. And she, oh my God. So she, I haven't got time, you know, to do that. So, right. So, right. Uh, yeah, we, we, we have to try and uh, outsource it for her. Uh huh. So, uh, yeah, Meta Tags is a sore point with some artists at the minute. They hate doing it. <laughs> well, and those Meta Tags and that title are really important, though, for getting found. Very, very yeah. important. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about licensing, although we've been talking about licensing for the whole thing because this is all about licensing today. But what types of contracts or terminology or key concepts do you think a new art licensing artist, designer, photographer has got to understand and got to know and yeah, very be comfortable important. with? One of the things when 19, what was it, 1998, 99, I got so disillusioned with the art colleges in in UK mm. that they were teaching business. So I get oh, these up. That's every my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, every artist used to come and see me in those days personally, right? Or uh-huh. I wouldn't take them on. They wouldn't see me, show the portfolios. And I'm saying this is this is just nothing like what you. I said to you, this is you know a travel brochure or a, a front cover of a leaflet for a you know a hospital or whatever. I said this is nothing to do with our industry. I said, don't they teach you anything design. about the industries that you want to get into? And they said no. So I started doing a writing all this down, and I de- developed a course, and it was mm-hmm. called the licensing course. It was a ring binder, and um, in it, what we did, we said, right, first of all, understand copyright. What's the mm-hmm. copyright? You own the copyright. Register the copyright, how to do it, how to number your designs, etc. how to have a little key card so that mm-hmm. every design has a card so you can write on it when you license it. Now you can do it digitally, right? Right. So. The contract that you have, you have need a good contract. So when you license it, you can give your own licensing contract, which protects you. You own the copyright. You're only giving them the specific rights for a specific product, a specific time period. Right. And, and that a region. Way, at the end, at a region, a territory. So yeah. I said, that way, you've got control of your art. So in the course that I wrote, what I did, I, I put in a, a basic contract and I, I gave them all that information. And it was a big, thick binder, you know, th- th- two, yeah. three, three pages, you know. A lot of information. There's a service to the, you know, the community to get them educated. Because I was literally right. fed up with artists coming to with no clue. Yeah. Well, then a publisher approached me and, and uh, they they did a book and it was like Art Licensing 101, which did very well. I believe so I like, have that book. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I wish I could have taken your course. I was graduating in the 90s and it was, 2000s. It was helpful. It was a condensed version. Right. But you know, as I say, I mean, I've redone the book now, as you, as you probably know, and I've done it as a digital book, an e-book. Yes, and, yes, you were kind enough to share it with me, and I'm about three-quarters of the way through. Right. They need Good to stuff. know all this. And what, what, you know, is the basics, how to basically look after your rights, take care of things, you do your books correctly. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sure you've got a, a, an agreement for every single design you, that you do. It's, it's so important to be methodical about licensing. Yes. Because if you forget... And you license a design that's already been licensed, you you're in serious trouble because they could have printed and sold it to a major corporation and suddenly somebody else has got the same design, one of the competitors. Ooh. So that's very important, you know. Has that happened? Uh yes. <laughs> oh dear. 
And I sometimes, they said, oh, my God, Michael, I forgot. I sold that to so-and-so. And I thought, I definitely to tell, oh, my God. Luckily, my clients are very nice people. I only right. work with nice people. I said, look, they, they've made a cock up. You know, we, can we sort this out? It's going to be withdrawn. Can we live with that? And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've not had a problem. But, yeah. um, you know, it doesn't mean they're not upset, you know. Yeah, but yeah. You know, they can't sue the artist. It's a genuine mistake. Right. So nobody's done it on purpose. Yeah, but the idea it. is, yeah, the idea is that they've got to be organized. So they need help. That's why, as I say, I'm not trying to just sell this book. This is to help me and other yeah. agents. So artists that go through this book and they read everything in there, it's about trends. There's a whole new new chapter as well on um, I've got artists to show their tricks, how they do layering and you know, do you know, various things that are really helpful for other artists to see uh-huh. how artists do their things. So that when an artist comes to me, they at least got some knowledge. I got right. one artist today. Oh my God! It took three weeks. They asked so many questions, and in the end, I thought, I don't want to represent this person. Oh, they haven't got a clue about the way the industry works, and yeah. it becomes hard work. It's taking up so much of your time. So I believe really in education. Yeah. Where can you get your book? In fact, we'll put a link. Tell us the title of your book, and I'll put a link down below this podcast for everybody where they can go and get your book. Thank you. It's um, Licensing Art and Photography 101, Mm -hmm. and it's artlicensing101.org or .com. I'll put a link down below. Yeah, so read it, folks. Read it before you approach an agent. (laughs) I would say that because it really helps it's not expensive. The cost was three hundred twenty-five dollars. Uh huh. I put the book out. I think it was thirty-nine, and I've just reduced it to twenty-nine because it's oh, not about. Deal. It's not about the money. It's like yeah. three hundred fifty pages. Uh-huh. I want people to use the book. You know, I'm not doing it for free because it it's cost me like three grand just to do the ebook. You know, right? It's an expensive process to do it all. And yeah. it's color and all the rest of it. One one person said, "I want a I want a hard copy." I said, "We've had a quote. It's 120 a book. <laughs> said, so it's got too much color in it. That's the problem. Mm. So we have to keep it as an ebook." You know, right, right. Well, that's handy though. Everybody's got readers and phones now, so you can take it with you and read it on the go or listen to it. Maybe exactly, exactly. So success, what do you see the future of the art licensing industry to be? You've got a lot of backstory and looking forward, where do you think things are going? And uh, what do you think the terms, the best practices for success in art license are going to be in the future? Well, that's a tough question because... (laughs) I don't have easy ones. (laughs) I know. The thing is that I think... I've spoken to one or two agents who who have decided to get out of the business because it's become so much more difficult for an agent because there are so many artists, you know, out there as well. Yeah. So that like that where everybody's competing with everyone else. So I don't know. My belief, my philosophy is be niche. You know, you know whatever you do these days. Be niche. Oh, be niche. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it's English, darling, English. English. <laughs> yeah, it's Americans. We're just so guttural. Niche. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, uh, we have a niche or a niche. and uh, <laughs> You say potato, we, I, I say potato. Yeah, I believe that that's the way forward. I mean, you know, people may disagree with me, but I think being in a niche market, mm-hmm. you become, you stand out then. If you if you're one of many 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 eye agents or artists and you're all doing the same thing, yeah. then you're not really the success is not there. Yeah. So you've got to have that uniqueness as an artist or a photographer. It's like creating something unique. Yeah. Now one of the problems that you have with that, you create this uniqueness, mm-hmm. and it really does well because people love it. 
they sell the crap out of it, and you're making good money. And then the trend goes. Boom, mm. suddenly the sales start to slide, and you're thinking, well, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. And some artists find it difficult. They're so into this niche that, or a rut, they can't get out of it. So it's a danger. And I've had one mm. or two artists have to leave us because of that, because they dried up. They couldn't That's think of anything the new trends, you know, they couldn't relate to them or the styles, they couldn't relate to them. Right. A lot of stuff now is painterly. Yes. So I've got one artist now, I'm trying to get him to be painterly instead of very tight, realistic illustration. Mm-hmm. I said, work is incredible, but you're still old school. You've got to learn right. to be new school. He said, well, can I be old school and find a niche for me? He said, there's very few niches now for old school. It's all right. modern and contemporary. So mm-hmm. that's the one thing that if you if you start to create new trends or new looks and a niche collection that's fairly unique, it's the same subject. There's only so many subjects. There's mm-hmm. landscape, there's flowers, and there's you know animals, and they're all the same subjects, but it's a new approach. Right. And you find new approaches all the time. So my advice is always be open to creating new ideas and, you know, go to museums and go to Art Basel or if you're near Florida, you know, mm. go to art shows in New York and L.A. Look around and get inspired to right. create new things. Right. And that's, that's the advice I can give, really. Well, you know, it's interesting because I've seen some of the flip side of that where, you know, the young artists are coming in and they're all over the map. And as students, they want to do a little bit of this. They want to do a little bit of that. They've got, you know, this style and that style. And they don't want to limit themselves. They don't want to niche down. And I think it's very difficult to learn to uh, find your artistic voice. I actually have a system that I've come up with that I talk about online in, in this course that I'm developing, the appeals course, the appeals system, that shows you seven elements to limit or make rules around. So if you look at art, there are seven, you know, kind of things you can change. For example, you can change the theme, you can change the subject, you can change the color palette. And by making yourself a rule, you can create a whole new collection. You can create a whole new theme or an ism or a style. And it's interesting because you've got these two different opposite ends of the spectrum. Very good. In fact, you know, I mean, a few of my artists would love that because they're the ones that struggle with a certain kind of style and I'm trying to break them into other things. And I don't have that amount of time to spend with each one. I can show them things, guide them. But, you know, my my day is sending work out, doing the licenses. So I do help. I send out trend reports. I send out Mm -hmm. all the colors. But it's up to them to do all the other work. Right. So that, that's really helpful because, you know, some of them just don't think outside the box. They, they, they're, they're stuck and, yeah. you know, they need help. Many artists always need help because things change. Yeah. Well, this is a system that I came up with and I'll, I'll share it with you then, Michael, um, because, you know, this is the way I create is I set these rules around the artwork that I'm going to create, the, the work that I'm going to create for the next period of time. And nobody really had ever taught me that in school. So it's a system I've come up with. I'll share it with you and you can share it with some of your artists. Yeah, thank you. That's very nice of you. Thank you. Of course. So I always like to kind of close at the end with um, a little bit of talk about books or blogs or podcasts or things that you would recommend. Obviously, there's your book. Your book is awesome. It's been out there forever. Is there any other books or blogs or podcasts, they don't even have to be on topic. They don't even have to be about art licensing that you would recommend for artists, designers, photographers that they just should have. Well, specific ones, I'm not so sure, but I think what I do is I I, I have lists that I give people. So mm. what I do is, is if something pops up and I go, oh, there's a fabulous new software it's a company that does software that's kind of um, watercolor, pencil sketches, 
and you can feed in a photograph and it will turn it into a watercolor. Now, if you do that mm-hmm. in Photoshop, it looks like terrible. You know, it looks like a Photoshop yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like filters. So what I do, and then a texture site. So I give people texture sites. I give them the software mm-hmm. sites, trend mm-hmm. forecast sites. Mm-hmm. In other words, give them information about what's, you know, what's literally going to affect them and mm-hmm. just literally tell them to keep looking all the time. I give them clients' websites. Mm. So I, I make it very specific, you know, to my individual artists. I say to them, look at this, look at that. See, mm-hmm. photographers, they need a different kind of help. Oh. They need to see what's going on in the photographic world, um, mm-hmm. what subjects. So, again, the only way I can do that is feed them with what's going on in the trends mm-hmm. so that they can look through those trends. So there's nothing specific. I just do it ad hoc. If somebody, like a, a catalog came in the other day, I thought, this is great. Mm-hmm. So I sent that catalog to everybody. Then oh, a website nice. came in, and I thought, this is a good website. And I sent everybody to that. So it changes. It yeah. changes literally week to week to week, depending on what's going on in the industry and what's changing. I just send them out these uh, trend reports mm-hmm. and ideas reports and software things just to keep them on track. That's it. Is there a website that you love and is your go-to for trend reporting? No. Okay. I think the trend, the trend ones tend to be you have to pay for information. Mm. Yeah. So the main color associations and things like that, it's 500 to 1,000 to just get in there. Um, we're lucky because all these trend reports, a lot of them are being produced by the publishers. Um, oh. Some are very private. Some come out from retailers mm-hmm. and they create their own report and it's literally just for the client and for us. And we ask our artists never to share it simply mm-hmm. because proprietary information that we get right so we're looking to that extent so that's why there's no particular place we go to we have all this information sent to us on a a monthly basis from clients around the world to tell us what they're looking for so we're very lucky in that right i know patricia goes and shops a lot she she goes and travels and shops and takes photos and makes her own trend reports so if you don't want to spend the money, you can go that route. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing as well is is I always tell artists, you know, if they live near New York or, or, or L.A., to go to one of the shows just yeah. to look around. Walk the shows. No, I would say, please don't bother the people on the stand. Yeah. Just leave them alone. Take a card, yes. Go around the booze, have a look. And if, they, if a salesman engages you, he's trying to sell product. So don't start opening a portfolio. In fact, you know, a lot of artists got, were getting banned, you know, from certain shows because oh. they were, you know, oh, yeah, the Atlanta show. They, they won't let artists in. Oh. And because uh, it's a trade show. Right. It's there for buyers. It's not for artists. Yeah. Even I have trouble getting in. <laughs> so. <laughs> I had to I had to get a client to give me a badge, you know, to get in because they don't want soliciting. So right. but the station show, the licensing show, Certex and so on, that's good to go round and see and open your eyes. Yeah. If they want to be licensing, every artist there's one in London, the brand licensing show as well. Mm-hmm. So if you're in Hong Kong, there's one in Hong Kong, there's one in Japan now. So basically you see a show. That gives you the world of licensing. You see all the booths with all the artists on, the agents on. You go to the stationery show, you see all the products. And right. you can see what you're aiming at. I say, go look at a, go look at a booth from a stationery company. If you want to do stationery, look at what mm-hmm. they're doing. Not, don't just do something without any client in mind. Which client is this for? There's no mm-hmm. client I can sell this to. You haven't looked at what's going on in the marketplace. So that's very important. You know, to keep abreast of things is very, very important. And I, I, I wish there were some blogs that I knew about, but um, I think there's one or two. I can't remember them now. But I've put one or two in the book um, okay. that I did find that I thought were helpful. Okay. Perfect. Well, then we'll just link to the book, get the book, and 
there will be your resources. And go and walk the shows, Surtech and all the good shows. And I think that's great advice. You've really just got to watch the trends and niche down and make your presentation specific to the person. Yeah, and work in groups and series, you know, so that you just do one. A lot of artists do one design of a flower, then one of a horse, then one of a pig, then one of a goat. Well, that's useless. You know, you just can't work like that. You've got to create series. <laughs> and many publishers work in series, you know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I just finished a series of 800. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to thank you so much for being on. This has been so informative. Thank you, Michael. This has just been brilliant. Absolutely it's brilliant. A pleasure. It's a pleasure. No, I hope. I mean, one of, I mean, this this industry served me very well all these years, and so I like to give back, which is again why the book is out there. It's a it's a work. What they call it, a work of love. You know, you've got to. It's yeah. not something that makes money. People say, oh, you're doing this for money. I said, no. I, said, no. God, I sold 10,000 books. Mm-hmm. And I, I, got a, I got a dollar, you know, so I get a dollar per book. And you say, what's 10,000? Yeah, over 10 years. <laughs> I, can make, I can make far more in a week than I can make in a year. So the book is not about making money. It's about seriously helping people with their careers. And Yeah. Well, I'm so with you because I taught in the academic world for 12 years. I taught probably over 192 classes and, you know, I have an MFA and yet art licensing never really came up, if you can believe that. Um, It was always graphic design. It was always go and work for somebody else. So there is opportunity out there, but we need to get the word out. Little snippet, which I love. It's a a very very well-known author in the art world and we were chatting about this and i said i go to the art colleges i said when i arrived in florida i asked the art i said i'm here i'm one of the best art licensing agencies on the planet i've been in it for a long long time yeah um i'll be available to do talks to your students i didn't even get an answer and she told me the secret she said no they don't want you in there because the lecturers that basically you know, get paid to teach them this, it yeah. shows that they don't know anything about this side of the business. <laughs> and it, it was a threat to them. And I went, yeah. wow, really? Seriously? So, Well, you, do, you can't go get an art licensing degree, Michael. I mean, think no. about it. There's not actually an, a formal art licensing degree. There's graphic design, there's illustration, there's photography degrees. Yeah. There's not an actual degree in art licensing. Hey, maybe there should be. Let's start one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my love. So thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure. Thank you so much for being on. Well, that's it for the Artist Appeals. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed recording it. I just love talking with all these artists and business people. It's phenomenal, and I've learned so much. I hope you've learned something, too. You can get more information You can check out some of the links that we talked about in these podcasts at theartistappeals.com. That's theartistappeals, A-P-P-E-A-L-S.com. Thanks and have a good one.